Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Generations podcast. Friends, we are at the end of the year and we're going to wrap up 2023 by talking about this year in Star Wars. I've got co-host Aaron McGowan and regular returning guest Danielle written in the Star Wars. Folks, what do we think about 2023 as Star Wars fans? It was a really exciting year. I thought it was great. (laughs) Danielle, expand, please. Uh, well, I thought it was great. I There was so much going on. And I think maybe even from just like a personal perspective, I got to go to Celebration mm. this year. So that was a first for me. And also a first time meeting so many people that I've become friends with over the past couple of years in mm-hmm. person. And that just made the whole experience of Star Wars in general and some of the other things that came out this year mean a lot more, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah. So, I had a great time with it, both on a franchise level and on a personal nice, level. Nice, nice. And I will yeah. say, we'll talk a bit about it tonight, but um, we actually did a whole episode with Danielle about Celebration and all the stuff she experienced and so on, stuff like that. Erin, what about yourself? Yeah, it was just a fun year. I feel like, <sighs> just starting off with the Bad Batch, <laughs> just a great start. <laughs> like, Matthew, you put in the Discord, like, oh, what did everyone love about this year? And I was like, oh, Ahsoka. Because, like, obviously that was amazing. And, like, Ahsoka is, like, my person. And then Mm -hmm. someone else was like, I really loved Ahsoka too. But, like, it was Bad Batch for me. And I was like, that was this year? Like, it feels like it's been so long since I've seen my beloved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, not seen. I rewatch, you know, but you get it. I get it. Um, I get it. But, yeah, I loved all the new content we got this year. Yeah. I think this is the um this was a really good year for me. It's one that obviously the the podcast really got to deepen and do a lot with. I feel like this year, especially for me, was my year of reading. Like I've been reading before, but this was the year where I really kind of was like, let's bear down. Uh I read a lot of the High Republic. I'm a little bit behind again. A lot of the um older stuff, especially during the strike, it was just such a good time for it. The Thrawn books and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the um newer things. So yeah, I feel like there's so much going on in Star Wars, but the books especially were really kind of hitting it for me. Yeah, I agree. This was this is my introduction to a uh, canon book thrown. <sighs> and my life is forever yep. changed, like truly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this was the year of Thrawn, among other things. Let's talk about some of the other different characters. Let's start with Thrawn. Because, um, of course, we got him on live action. So, Danielle, what, what was your first ex- – was your first experience of Thrawn, Thrawn Rebels Thrawn? Uh, no, my first experience of Thrawn was from Choices of One, um, uh, the Legends book by Timothy oh, Zahn. And I think he makes like a brief appearance in there. I actually can't remember all that much about it because I read it so long ago. But um, I do remember being introduced to this character. I had no idea who he was because I'd not seen Rebels and not um, read the other Legends books that he was in. And so I was just like, who is mm-hmm. this guy? Like, I have no idea who he is. And then I watched Rebels and knew who he was and gave me a new perspective on him, learned more about him. And then that's uh, this past year is when I read finally the canon books for Thrawn. Yeah, so it's been quite an evolution for you with that character. Yeah, a bit back and forth. Yeah, and after that, kind of where'd you end up with um, how he appeared in live action? I 
enjoyed it. I didn't, I know that people had complaints mm-hmm. about it and some people didn't like it, but I just genuinely enjoyed getting to see Lars Mikkelsen, who's done such a good job with the voice of that character, um, doing such a great job acting as that character physically. And were there some things that I think could have been improved? I think they could have improved the makeup. Yeah, I think they there are a couple of other things with that. But I just, I enjoyed seeing him in live action for the first time. Like, I didn't really care about anything else. That's fair. Aaron, what about yourself? Um, For Thrawn? Yeah, so I guess the first time I was in... Here's the thing. Is I knew about Thrawn a long time before I knew who Thrawn was. Like, because I've been in the Star Wars community for most of my life, sometimes more involved than others. But like more recently with cosplay, I've been a lot more involved. But I hadn't seen Rebels in full until about two years ago, I think. Um, So I had watched like the first two seasons or however far just right before Thrawn appears. Like, I just barely missed that. But like anytime I talked to a lot of my friends who are more casual Star Wars fans, but like big book readers they were always like have you read Mm -hmm. the Thrawn books like do you know about Thrawn I'm like I know about Thrawn like I know he's like a strategist for like Vader and he's like blue and he's super scary but like that's all I know and I know I have to read these books and I know books are so hard for me to read (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I just gotta listen to them (laughs) and even with that I just sometimes the commitment it takes I have trouble getting through a book unless I have a reason so nice yeah. thing with this podcast we're gonna start setting deadlines of when we need to talk about books and I will yes we are get on top of that um so I look forward to in the coming year actually reading the Thrawn books but yeah so the first time I saw him really was in Rebels and he was like pretty cool it didn't make a huge impression on me until I watched it back a second time and like at that time, I knew the Phoenix characters better. Therefore, like his role in the story and his role, especially like with Ezra, makes so much more sense. So, yeah. And then I know I was so excited to see him in person. Like, I really love I'm, I'm, an, I'm a big alien girl. Like most of my favorite characters are aliens. So I'm always excited to see a new um, like animated alien to make it into live action. I think that's always fun. And I thought they did a really great job. Like, yeah. I was really happy with the slight prosthetics they put kind of over his cheekbones and in his forehead. Like, I just think it really added to the thronness of him in a really good way without being overboard on, like, prosthetics. But, yeah. Yeah. Matthew, what'd you think? It, for me, getting Thrawn was really important. Getting Ahsoka, all of it. Because, and I'm I'm not one of those, like, Star Wars was a very important part of my childhood, no bad part of Star Wars will ever ruin my childhood. No good part of it will ever save my childhood. Like, my childhood was what it was, and it was great with Star Wars. But I felt like this year was such a good year for those people who were – like, I think there's nothing in the world wrong if you just love the movies. But I think for those who have really spent a lot of time in the larger Star Wars canon, especially the pre-Disney stuff – this year was just our bread and butter, you know? And I think Thrawn, to me, yeah. is kind of the shining moment of that. Because, yeah, underscore all the things you said. But also for me, like, I read about Thrawn when I was eight years old. When I found out there were no more movies being made. But this guy named Timothy Zahn had written books about Star Wars. And I thought it was just going to be more Luke and Leia and all that. And it introduced this incredible character. 
And since then, we've gotten like four different versions of those of the character. And I think like you kind of just have to understand and not trying to make them all the same. Um, and I, you know, I have some. There's there are different versions that I love in different ways and stuff like that. But just getting to see him on live in live action, on top of getting to see so much of Rebels come to life in live action, and then in the Bad Batch, getting to see the Clone Wars brought back for another major show under Disney, and being done in a way that is so clearly paying homage to so much else of the extended universe content. It just... I know we've been getting more of it, and I know I'm certain some people aren't happy because they felt like they needed to do all this homework to be able to watch the new stuff, and I get that. But I, I think there's real power in Disney saying, like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna make some stuff that's primarily for people who have watched everything that led up to this. And you know, as someone who's been doing this for so long, it just it it made me really happy. It really feels seen and happy as a Star Wars fan. I think there comes a point. Where they have to, like, think, what is all this yeah. for? You know, like, if we're not going to add on to it and we're not going to – if we're not going to, you know, you know uh, not favor, but kind of reward, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Just continue the story or reward the people who have been following along for so long. Then what's the point of all of this content? And, yeah, you're like, why wouldn't you want to continue mm-hmm. – the threads that you've you've put throughout all of the movies and the and the TV shows and the books, it just makes sense to do that and just trust that it's Star Wars and if people want to know more about what they're watching, they yeah. will. I'm, <laughs> They'll find it. For me, I think like a big part of what you're saying is Filoni. Yeah. Like it's his influence on Star Wars. He began planting seeds back when he came on for the Clone Wars, and now he's been promoted to the position that I don't remember the name, but where he has a lot to say about most Star Wars projects. And I'm really excited for what we're going to get in the new year from Filoni in charge. I, I don't know the exact terms, but but I think there's a real parallel, and they're probably doing it fairly intentionally, between Filoni and Star Wars and Feige and Marvel. Mm-hmm. And that I think he has had kind of a similar path, and he now has a similar role of like every script is going to go through him to some extent, and he's going to be the one making sure that this piece connects to that piece and and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a. I think he said this in the interview that that's a better position for him than where he kind of was or where he he is right now um, before he gets mm-hmm. the promotion. And I think that that works too because he he said that he had he had fun you know dabbling in mm-hmm. directing and and writing and all this stuff, but for live action. But really, where he does his best is is a kind of looking at how how everything can go back to what the foundation of Star Wars is meant mm-hmm. to be and and how things can tie together, uh, at least from the visual medium and mm-hmm. everything. But yeah, I'm excited to see to see what that is. I think that he's he's not gonna have as much of a power over things as people are either excited for or mm-hmm. afraid of. <laughs> That's probably uh, true. I think it, it's more in he and he said it in the interview just that it's more of a – he's not going to be controlling things. He's just going to be involved in the process from an earlier stage than what he was as a part of the right. – um, what what do they call it? The little storyboard group or whatever, story group. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's very true. And I, I think for certain, like, Ahsoka was an experiment. And I think we, the hardcore fans, absolutely loved it. 
it does seem like a lot of the other even not quite so committed fans really loved it. The real question is going to be, what are the numbers? And, you know, Disney doesn't publish those. And every three weeks, you'll see someone claiming like, oh, Ahsoka was a huge success or Ahsoka was a huge failure. None of these people know what they're talking about. Um, and it's really, I think, just going to be Disney execs taking a look and deciding, okay, did this – did did was Ahsoka successful enough that this justifies doing more content where people need to have done their homework? Aren't they going to have to start showing numbers? Because that was uh, one of the things for the writer's Oh, was it? Okay. Uh, was that they had – they had to start showing um, actual numbers, maybe not to the public, but they have to share it with the showrunners. Okay. Uh, well, good. So that they have ideas about residuals yeah. and everything. I, th- um, I think that's still going to be. An- so that is. Yeah, a plus. I imagine that'll still be NDA to the public, but yeah, that definitely they you know the residual payment. Yeah. Well, Netflix Netflix started showing hours oh, good. viewed. Okay. Of like the top twenty-five. Uh, shows or maybe even more than that they just published the top 25 mm-hmm. but yeah they showed hours viewed of, of all those shows nice. so huh. maybe i think things are going to change in that department a little bit Great. hopefully what are the kind of overall themes you saw this year in star wars either positive or negative i think something for me that became a little bit clear and this wasn't so much in what was put out but what wasn't is that they're being very careful with with um, the amount, I think, that they're putting out and how quickly they put it out, yeah. if that makes sense. So we went through a period where things came out very quickly. I'm thinking about like the sequels and Rogue yeah. One and Solo. Those were all year after year after year, sometimes six months yeah. after uh, it, the previous one came out. And then we also had you know, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Kenobi, all of these things coming out at us very, very quickly. And I feel like this year was the start of them starting to slow down Absolutely. a bit yeah. in that. And I think that that's good because I think it gives shows and the potential movies we might get in the future room to breathe. But it's also with the books, I've mm-hmm. noticed – uh, the High Republic for Phase 3, they're actually spacing out the publications yeah. for that. And Phase 3 started this year. And so instead of having all of the books within a phase released within a year, it's going to be over like two years. And I just I, – I, I don't know where that's coming from or if that's really like a thematic thing. But as far as like where Star Wars is going in the future, I think it's really yeah. interesting. And I think certainly – whether or not they planned to have 2024 be kind of a slow rollout as well, it now has to be because mm-hmm. of the strike. Like, I think that just set a yeah. bunch of things uh, back a ways. So. Yeah. And or 2025. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's been a while since we had a movie. And I think – I don't think we have a set date for any movie coming out, do we? No. Mm-mm. Like, we know a number yeah. of things are in production. The, Ray, the new Ray trilogy – whatever um, uh, Ryan Johnson is doing, like some other things. Um, I, I I think that was the other thing that I – it probably started in 2022, but I think it also started I, – I was experiencing a lot in 2023. As part of that kind of like big push, it felt like in 2021 and 22, they announced so much stuff. Like I think that was when they announced that like 10-year plan of all the things that are coming. <laughs> and since then, I think like a third have been canceled. Or changed. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I I don't like getting excited about things that haven't even gotten started yet. Yeah. I would much rather they just say, yeah. okay, this is actually in production now. This is the release date. You know, that kind of a thing. 
Yeah, I don't like it when studios do that, but without fail, they will continue to do it. Like, I remember being on Pinterest 10 years ago and looking at, like, Marvel's predicted things. And I remember Mm -hmm. there was something about, like, Kang. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And then eight years went by and I was like, I guess they dipped on that idea. Or, like, something else. Like, movies, Ant-Man, that they said was going to come out in, like, way earlier than it did and i just assumed it wasn't gonna and then it did but also there was seven other projects that they abandoned yeah so it's just like you get so excited and then you put time and effort into learning about the characters and getting excited about it like you know the lando tv show that we were all robbed of which like i understand Mm -hmm. like the movie did horrible and donald glover is a busy guy like he can only hang around for something that's gonna like i mean do well i guess but also he's like I have a lot of respect for him as a person. I believe he's like a true artist. Like he only does Mm -hmm. things if there's intention. And I think for him, there didn't feel like enough intention or like good that would come out of a show like that maybe. Also, he's just very busy. I thought that during the strike, they said that like they weren't going to start negotiations yet, but that he was committed on to – that both him and Billy Dee Williams were committed to trying to move forward with a Lando show. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I thought I saw that they were maybe gearing more towards a, a movie. Mm. That's fair. And that that's what he was committed to because he couldn't commit to okay. a show, uh, because of his schedule. And interesting. I think I thought that that was the the last big news yeah. that we got. From I it. thought last we heard it was just. Canceled, uh, I could be wrong, but I'm excited to hear other things. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not canceled. As I remember seeing also Kathleen Kennedy talking about how. They're not canceling it. If anything, it's it's just yeah. on the back burner waiting like it'll get yeah. there. for him to have availability. Because I do but think yeah. – so, But I I agree with everything you <laughs> both said about not wanting to know things that far in advance if it's just going to get canceled <laughs> yeah. anyway. I think it's true. I think it's true. Um. So what were what were some of the surprises of 2023? Like characters or plot lines like that you never saw coming but that really kind of blew you away? Ryo Chuchi. Yes. <laughs> uh, remind remind those of us who I, that, that was a year ago who who that was. She's oh, the Pantoran gosh, senator. Right. So yes, Pantoran senator from the Clone Wars, Ahsoka's friend and um close ally of Padme mm-hmm. Amidala and it was uh revealed to us in the Bad Batch season two that she was fighting very hard for clone rights, carrying on the good fight that Padme mm-hmm. started before she passed away. And then she becomes involved in kind of this clone rebellion that is being spearheaded by Rex. And she's helping out the clones on Coruscant, trying to get them out, trying to get them to safety because they're being you know, manipulated and, and used as usual by the Empire. And I just had I of all the theories I had about the Bad Batch season two, Ryo Chuchi mm-hmm. being kind of a center point of at least one of the arcs was not one of them. And so I'm I was very pleased by For that. the record, I knew who it was. I just wanted to help our listeners <laughs> who might not have remembered. <laughs> I just get so excited every time I hear her name. Like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It was such a nice tie-in there. For me, there were two that really come to mind. One was, and obviously we'd seen this character before, but to see her really come into her own, Bo-Katan, 
Um, the yes. character who was both voiced by Katie Sackhoff and now physically acted by Katie Sackhoff. It really was also a great year for for voice actors getting to cross over. Granted, a, a lot of them were people who were originally live action actors and then also did voice work, but still. Um, but getting her get to have that plot line of it's not just going to be her supporting Mando's uh, quest that she gets to become the ruler of Mandalore and that it's so focused on her – um, why we still haven't heard the name of her sister, I don't understand. Why we heard her the name of her father instead. Um, Who no one has ever to... mentioned ever before. Like, ever. As, as much as I love so, that so Star mad. Wars is, is exploring so many more of the characters, it feels like they have an iron line of the ones they won't cross. And so that definitely bothered me some. As did Padme, not getting mentioned a lot more than she has been in a number of these things. But yeah, I, I really loved getting to see her story. And for me, the breakout was Balin and Shin, um, mm-hmm. Ian Ahsoka. Like yeah. I lot, I liked a lot of things in that show. It's not my favorite show, but I think there's a lot of really good things. But them especially, um, I often say that I'm really interested in Force users who are somewhere between, or even just off the axis of the Jedi and the Sith. And I really feel like that's kind of where they're going. And the orange lightsaber is kind of a fun way of marking that. You know, they're they're definitely playing with some dark side powers, but. Balin, in many ways, still is not – he's not a Sith, very much so, and he wants to adhere to parts of the Jedi in some ways. And, um, you know, uh, the, we, we've commented a lot already, but the tragedy of Ray Stevenson passing uh, after what I think is probably his greatest acting performance uh, means we're never going to get to see him do it. But I think with Shin and with some others, they'll probably continue the – where he was going with the story. Um, so yeah, I think that that was the one, especially that I just I I did was did not see it coming at all, but really was really was blown away by it. I agree. I mean, for me, it's especially Shin, just because if you guys don't mm-hmm. know, she has my heart. Like I'm just mm-hmm. obsessed with her, and Ivana ugh, saying her last name intimidates me. It's like Bankov, I think. That sounds right. Could be super wrong. Don't quote me on it, guys. I should mm-hmm. be better, but I'm not. Um, anyways. Oh, no. It's a Ivana Sako or Sanko or something like that. Uh, anyways. She's just incredible. I love – I just love – it gave, It was giving Ventress. Like, I just love the, like, war dog, like, assassin mm-hmm. vibes that you get from both of them. Like, they have so much power and it's so untrained. Like, when we first met Ventress, she was kind of out of control, you know? Mm-hmm. Like she was good and she was dangerous, but she was weak at the same time. And I feel like yeah. Shin is very similar. And that's the type of character, character, character I connect to. Mm-hmm. Two words. <laughs> um, and so I just really love seeing her on screen. And also that it, we saw progression. It wasn't just yeah. She's so hot. She's so scary. Like she's gonna like hunt them down. But it's like we got to see her in her moments with Balin, where she was like curious and like intelligent and soft like she's not an aggressive personality necessarily but she can be a very aggressive person and so i'm just very interested to see like how her story continues and how they may be passing some of balen's story to her or if they're just gonna divulge her from it completely and find another way to work that out i don't know i'm excited to see what they come up with but yeah she's also on my list to cosplay i'm slowly but surely (laughs) Getting there. I bought her lightsaber. Um, the armor's being printed right now. So nice. nice. I'll get there in 2024. 
I'm excited to well, see and it. I love the comparison you made with Ventress because, again, we talked about this a lot on our Clone Wars coverage. Ventress is a phenomenal character, but I think especially in season one, they were really trying to make her a femme fatale, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, the, the moment that I most remember is when she, like, stabs a guy with her lightsaber and then, like, pulls his body f- closer to her on the lightsaber to kiss him. And it's just, like... Yeah, it's a clone. clone. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and it's just such a painful moment. And, like, Shin is hot as the sun. Like, she's an incredibly attractive <laughs> character, but they don't play her like that. She's not using her, you know, fe- I'm, I'm saying this term very much in air quotes because of the way it's understood, but, like, she's not using her feminine wiles to seduce people. She's just, hey, I'm going to totally wreck your shit, and my eyeliner is perfect the whole time. Like, that, it's just, and, and I appreciate that they're not going that in that direction like the way they do with Ventress because we don't have that many characters like Shin and so to have her be to have her be very attractive without being sexualized or without being you know kind of made the object of desire I think is a really good thing I think that's what I really liked about one of, one of my favorite parts yeah. about Ahsoka the show was that it gave us a lot of female characters in situations that we don't get a lot or or at least portrayed in ways that we aren't really used to in Star Wars, I think. Because we get Shin being able to be, you know, badass without having to use her feminine (laughs) wiles, in air quotes. Um, You get a master and apprentice who are both women, which we don't get very often. And when we do, it's usually not that great. I'm thinking Barriss and Luminara. And and so I really liked that. And it gave us, I've talked about this a bit on my own social media channels, but the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine, I really like because it's a quiet relationship Mm -hmm. and, and not all female relationships are, you know, loud. Mm -hmm. They're not always pouring your feelings out to each other. It's very dependent on the person. And I feel like both Ahsoka and Sabine, when they're around each other, aren't naturally like that. And maybe one day they will be, maybe they won't, but that doesn't mean that their relationship is any less important. And and I don't know if that was the intention uh, that Dave Filoni had when he wrote them that way, their relationship that way, but I liked it and I appreciated it. And so I I guess all of this stuff, you know, talking about Shin and, and about Ahsoka just made me appreciate that show, I think, for, for that aspect. Yeah, of it. I never, that's a really good way of saying it, Danielle. Thank you for sharing. Like, the quiet versus loud, like that's a very smart way to think of it. And yeah, I just think it's interesting. It's something that Matthew and I and Alex have talked about while rewatching the originals, but the way that media and acting has become so loud, you know, like everything's really expressive, which personally I'm usually a huge fan of. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. I kind of came to life physically, you know, (laughs) like during a time where that was how media was. (laughs) Um, but being able to rewatch the originals with Matthew's point of view and understanding that subtlety better, and it just seems like something that Filoni's trying to bring back. Because a lot of people said, oh, Ahsoka was boring, it was slow, I feel like the characters didn't have personality, and you just put it together in my head for me. Like, it's because they don't have a loud relationship. Like, it's nothing crazy. It's like, they have a relationship and it matters and it's important, and it's not like exciting and emotional and there's yelling you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, 
I also think with Ahsoka especially, and granted, I have a preference for this, but I think it, it it's I think the case can be made specifically with Ahsoka. Having now watched it both ways, I think it is a show that works much better if binged. Like not having to wait week week mm-hmm. for week. Because I think that was also part of the problem for me with that show was that it felt like things were moving very slowly. And like the subtlety is great if I'm not getting it in little bite-sized chunks and then waiting a week for the next little bit of subtlety. But when I was able to watch the whole thing, I, I mean, I think I saw it the first time, but I was able, I think, to appreciate it a lot more this time. Um, with all the stuff you said, but also just adding in one more dynamic, um, the Hera-Sabine uh, relationship as well, because it, it really felt like there was a... And, and again, like the way this was all played off, it was all kind of under the radar, but, but, but there... Um, Without it falling into kind of very sort of you know um, uh, what's the word uh, without falling into very tropish lines, but you know you had kind of Hera trying to have this kind of like mentor relationship with Sabine and like you know kind of being driven crazy a little bit and like uh, Ahsoka kind of stepping into that role instead of and Hera kind of being willing to step back and I just really liked the way that that dynamic played out. And it's it's funny because I feel it was very, it's a very smart way to do it mm-hmm. i think and it's i think credit to dave filoni having been along for the ride with these characters since their creation that he didn't feel the need to to make it mm-hmm. loud because if you want that loud relationship between sabine and Hera, for example yeah, go to yeah. rebels <laughs> they they hash it out that's where they hash out their the you know the, the rough patches of their relationship when when sabine is is a uh, you know, questioning Hera's loyalty to her or her her trust in Hera. I guess you know you get the 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 fights and and the hashing out, like I said there. But you don't need that here because they're they've known each other for at least a decade at this point. They don't like they don't need that anymore. They don't need to to figure things out. And there's an argument to be made that you're always figuring things out right. about people, even even the ones that you know. But but they don't need that initial roughness to their right. relationship. Well, and also teenagers are loud. Teenagers are very emotive. Yeah. And in yeah. Rebels, most of them – Hera is like young 20s um, mm-hmm. uh, and she's still going through all sorts of stuff and and everyone else is a teenager pretty much. Uh, Ahsoka is a little older but, um, you know, certainly Sabine and Ezra and all the rest of them. And and now they're all older and I think that – and also just time yeah. has passed and that's given them more time for these feelings to mellow and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fun. It's like, you want loud Hera and Sabine? Rebels. You want loud Anakin and Ahsoka? Yeah. Any moment of Clone Wars. <laughs> like, literally, basically, yeah, literally any episode. Any. <laughs> yep. And you will get very loud Ahsoka until you hit season seven, and then you cry with us all, and we move on mm-hmm. from there. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, well, Ahsoka, I think, is very much on our minds because it was kind of one of the most recent, but also uh, one that I think hit so strongly for a lot of us. You know, uh, Aaron's favorite character, for me, Thrawn having been such a big deal for so long and very much loving Ahsoka. What were some of the other pieces of media that like really hit us hard this season, this year? Oh, what do we have? We had the Bad Batch. We had the Mandalorian. I think... Well, I mean, this hit me hard <laughs> in a funny way, but in The Mandalorian, uh, when Din Djarin sunk <laughs> on the living waters. Oh, that's waters. so good. <laughs> Listen, I have never in my life said that I want to shake 
John Favreau's hand because I've been I've been a little up and down with John Favreau the last couple of years, but but after that moment, I was like, I want to shake that man's <laughs> hand because that is the funniest shit that has ever mm-hmm. happened, and just for him to say, I didn't realize it was so deep. Humor, humorous, humorous God. My guy um, just slipped. But anyway, that was that, that was one of my favorite. Like the moment, like if I could have a shirt that. Uh, for for like my recollections of Star Wars in 2023, it would be Denjarin fell to the bottom <laughs> of the living waters. <laughs> yeah, well, and to me, like I talked before about how much it became Bo-Katan's show, mm-hmm. I feel like that moment really was it. You know, because that was really the beginning <laughs> yeah. of like all this yeah. stuff that was so built up in his head. And I, we don't really need to get too much into like favorites and stuff like that. But I'll just say, like for me, I think there was so much I loved this year. Mandalorian season three was probably my favorite. And I think that one of the things I think that they've really done a great job of doing is, you know, when we started Mandalorian, I think a lot of people were jumping to, oh, okay, so all Mandalorians are like this. But then if they'd seen Clone Wars, it was like, well, but how does that fit? And I think they've really explored, um, for me, as someone with a lot of Jewish family, my, my father's Jewish, I think of myself as Jewish ethnically. Like diaspora is a really important concept to me. And one of the things if you study Judaism is like, you know, the Jews who went to uh, Europe and the Jews who went to Spain and then to Spanish colonies um, developed in very different ways, you know, both different languages between like um, Yiddish and Sephardim and like different, you know, cultural practices, different ways of celebrating things. And and that's definitely true of a lot of different diasporic cultures. Um and so really them treating the Mandalorians like a diaspora culture and having the idea of like, yeah, Mando was raised in one particular way of being a Mandalorian. And that's what he knows. And when he meets others, he's going to think they're wrong. And uh, Bo-Katan similarly is like, oh, you're just a religious fanatic. And Boba Fett is like – I mean my dad was a Mando technically. He's but like, like out? <laughs> we're just We're just making our way in the universe. Um <laughs> And seeing, therefore, all three of them, like, get – like, to me, one of the most powerful things of that season was seeing both Bo and Mando come to better understand each other and to better respect each other. And I just felt Mm -hmm. like it it deepened the Mandalorians as a people so much, which, again, harking back to EU, that's a culture that was built out so much in so many of the books. And their relationship with the clones was really built out in beautiful ways. So, yeah, I just just really loved that coming through. That's interesting because, like, just thinking back on it, Mando season three comes in at third place for me. That's fair. Like, I enjoyed it, but it just – bad batch. I mean, the clones will always win, first of all. Yep. (laughs) The clones will always win. Yeah. And it was really hard for me that those shows were coming out simultaneously for a little bit because then I didn't get to hype for Mandalorian like I wish I could have. Because I was so excited about bad batch. And I know it was the opposite for so many people. And mm-hmm. it was just really hard. I wish they hadn't done that. And I hope that they kind of learned from it. But who knows? Again, we don't know any of the numbers. Maybe it didn't actually affect Bad Batch at all. Don't know. But um, yeah, I'm listening to you talk about it a little bit, Matthew. I w- I'm sitting here. I'm like, I should rewatch Mando season three like over <laughs> Christmas break. Like, I feel like I didn't give it a good enough chance because it was good. And there was a lot of moments I really appreciated. But it's not the one that sticks in my brain the most. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I liked I liked what you said, Matthew, though, because it it did give me 
I, I caught on to the di- diasporic mm-hmm. message of it because um, being Mexican-American mm, myself, yep. I obviously am the diaspora. And and the relations between uh, people from Latin American countries who are in the Latin American countries now and were born and raised there and the people who weren't but whose you know grandparents were or great-grandparents were – uh, it can be very tense and it can be like very rot and that was reflected well on the show. You're right. That part of the narrative was done really, really well. And I would like to go back and watch it, like you said, Aaron, with this mm-hmm. in my mind and, and see if that changes yeah. my attitude towards it a little bit. Uh, I don't think it will on the overall <laughs> thing, but it is something that I think I appreciate more. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> At the time they were coming out, all that I really knew was, God, I'm editing so many damn podcasts every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and I – so, yeah. So, I've gone back and rewatched both of them. And I think it's – it's because, yeah, it was uh, – Aaron, I remember you – you know, that's when you and I really got <clears throat> connected is when you were mm-hmm. working with me on the, the Bad Batch episodes. And it was great fun, but Bad Batch and Mando – and, like, I think they did some interesting things to connect the stories, but it was just – it was very overwhelming. And I think that was – I, I, I wish they had, had spaced those out a little bit more. It was kind of funny. It's yeah. every week when you and I would record, we would talk and be like, okay, what did you watch first this week? Bad Batch or Mando? <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause it and I yeah, almost they came always, out the same day, didn't they? Same day. The same I day. almost always did Bad Batch yeah. first and you almost always did Mando first because I was like, if I need to talk about it, I need to take notes and like really like burn yeah. it into my mind. And then I would like watch Mando with my family and like enjoy I think it's because I was mostly recording Mando like late that night and then recording Bad Batch with you the next day. Yeah. Something like that. No. No, not to shade yeah. you for it. It's just oh, yeah, no. the different ways we do things. <laughs> and Bad Batch was. I mean, I agree with you. It was also phenomenal. Like it did so much to build out. I'm so embarrassed I can't remember his name. But what's the name of the guy who at first was going to like hurt – was kind of against Crosshair but then eventually like helps him? Wait. Oh, wait. Who? The Outpost episode? The Outpost, yeah. Are you yeah. talking about the Outpost? Mayday, Mayday? yes. Oh, yeah. Because I was going to say Mayday, but I was like, but he always liked Crosshair. Crosshair yeah. didn't like right, him. Right, that's right. <laughs> um, Crosshair yeah. was going to hurt him. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's that their commanding <laughs> officer was being terrible to all of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that. I. <laughs> I had some choice words uh, for him in oh, my yeah. notes app whenever I watched that. Oh, that episode was so good. So pa- – yeah, Mayday was like a character <laughs> we saw for one episode m- minimum, but is definitely in my top ten of clones now. It Tattooed on Literally, my heart he forever. skyrocketed. The whole internet blew up. Mm-hmm. I am the whole internet. <laughs> I blew up. Yeah. Like that was too much to handle, that type of facial hair. The 28 20- – 2023 was also the year of clones with yes. facial hair. More clones with facial hair because the amount we mm-hmm. got in season three or season two of The Bad Badge that had some sort of facial hair was astronomical. Yeah. And I was here it for was it. It was great. <laughs> nice. And didn't we learn more about Hunter's tattoo and how far down it goes? <laughs> no. no, we didn't. But on, on my TikTok, we, okay. we theorized. That's possible. Yes. That's possible. We certainly talked more about it. <laughs> Um, did any of you watch uh, Young Jedi Adventures? Yes. Well, I haven't mm-hmm. seen all of it, but I've been talked to us about it. that. How was that? Oh, I love it. As a High Republic fan, um, I love that it's being spread 
to the younger kids. And it already was with, you know, like the Mm -hmm. books and everything. But I think it's easier for kids to enjoy it on their own and in their Mm -hmm. own way when it's a show. And I love that they're getting the chance to do that. But I also love that it's it, it gives a little bit to the people who read, like the, the adults who read yeah. the High Republic yeah. adult books and who they know are going to watch this because it's High Republic content. And I just, I love that they keep, they've obviously kept yeah. that in mind with it. And it just adds to the High Republic feeling like a really, a really warm part mm. of the franchise. Yeah. Are, are some of the High Republic adult characters like popping up every now and then as the ones who are being like, no, don't go off on that crazy adventure again? Or. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they're not like main or consistent mm-hmm. characters, but in the most recent release of episodes, there have been two, three characters uh, that show up that are in the regular Which High one? Republic books. Uh, Bell's yep. out of car, and his master, uh, Lord and Great Storm. Okay. Oh. And and also the Charhound. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. not forget. Uh, let's not forget her. And then, um, oh, what's his name? Stellan. I, oh, I can't remember. What, yeah, no, not Stellan. The but, other one. Um, Stella Maru. It's not not one of the okay. main ones, but this one I think is the. He was in charge of Starlight Beacon, I think, or he was an archivist or something. Um, I haven't read all of them, but he's he's in it as well. Mm. Yeah, so he's kind of a side character, but uh, gets gets his moment in a couple of the nice, books. Nice. Yeah. Just speaking of book stuff, one of the things that I really loved that I think has gone under most people's radar screen, um, but it, it's a book on tape. It's made to be on tape, Aaron, so I think you should definitely check it out. Dr. Afra. Dr. Afra has been a yeah. comic book character for a long time, which is just a wonderful – Media, a wonderful medium that is, for whatever reason, in my neurochemistry, pretty inaccessible to me. <laughs> and they wound up doing an audiobook of her. And I, my, understanding, it, my understanding is it's kind of like a, you know, overview of her life with some of her adventures, but a lot of like the details skipped. But it just gave me such a good idea of who this incredible character is. And it's a, it's a very different kind of woman than any we've seen before. Um, in a lot of ways, she reminds me of Anakin, but in a much more like kind of like happy-go-lucky, I'm always about to die, but I always am super overconfident and think I'll get away with it. Loki so, Hondo? Ha- <laughs> yeah, in, in a different kind of a way. But so having her yeah, having her interact with uh, uh, Anakin slash Vader is just so perfect. So yeah, that was another little thing I loved. Yes. Yes, I love that. I love that audiobook. It's on my list. About that. Yep. <laughs> and did either of you watch Visions, that volume, volume two? Yes. I did not. Oh. So yes, I forgot that. Please came tell out me this about year. it. Oh my gosh. Ah, uh, Visions two. I mean, I love season mm-hmm. one of Visions or volume one, whatever they're calling it. But I think they really hit their stride with the second one because they they opened it up to more countries. And so you have episodes from stories from countries across the world uh, in their own like type of animation style, uh, telling stories that really matter to them and Mm -hmm. resonate with, in in a lot of instances, resonate with their cultures. And I thought it was so beautiful to see their take on what a star Wars story is. And, and it always, it always comes down to hope Mm -hmm. or to desire for something Mm -hmm. more. And and I, I was very happy to see one of the episodes, uh, Screechers Reach, won some awards for for its oh, episode. It's 
And that's one of the best episodes to me of all the visions. And so I was very okay. happy for that. Okay. But yeah, absolutely beautiful. I think they're doing a season three and I can't wait nice. for that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I, I, I really like the idea of the first visions. I had trouble with it just because a lot of the art style stuff a lot of the art style stuff was was above my head. Again, it's my failing, not the show's failing. But I do really love what you're talking about there. And um friend of the podcast, Jonah Kelman, who's kind of my go-to person for the EU, he's been actually doing a podcast he's been doing a podcast called The Archives Are Incomplete, which is all about like doing book by book through the whole extended universe canon of books. Um, but he and I were talking about visions and he was trying to trying to figure out like does this fit into canon in some way or not and the way he described visions that i think is now how i how i think of it which i think really works is these are tv shows that people in the star wars universe would watch you know in that like Mm -hmm. these aren't necessary these aren't necessarily stories that take place in the world of our characters but they are stories that are being told in the world of our characters and some of them might be based in truth some of them might be completely true some of them might be color fiction you know either way um because there was a couple there was a couple things like the the wonderful story of the the Sith in the um like which a, a black and white world of like a Japanese village, but the lightsabers are in color. Um, in the in the first one was amazing, but didn't really seem to fit anywhere in the canon. And so I just like that explanation of it. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to give some of the ones in uh, season two a season two a try. Yeah, I like. I think my favorite part of Visions is that. I, I don't really try to give it a label for anything. It just yeah. exists. And and I think that's such a breath of fresh air. As much as I love canon mm-hmm. and I love getting to piece things together, it's so nice to just have like 20-minute Star Wars stories yeah. that it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just taking what the feeling of Star Wars and adding to it in whatever way they want to. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate yeah. that. I Definitely. will be honest. <clears throat> I haven't seen Visions, but... It sounds like, to me, what you guys are saying, it's kind of similar to, like, the what if for Marvel. Like, mm-hmm. it's just something else that tells the same stories. But in Marvel, of course, they're using the same characters. This is all new characters. Right. But it's just yeah. the idea of something outside of yeah. the canon that's really fun and gives a lot of freedom yeah. within the universe. Yeah. So. Yeah. And some of them are totally outside the universe. Some of them are kind of like the um, from a certain point of view stories. Like, yeah. there's a... One, yeah. one from Visions that I think some people thought was cheesy, I really loved, that's all about a bunch of kids who, like, become – who are, like, on the run because Jabba is hunting one of them. And then they I become a band one. that entertains Jabba. So, like, they, they <laughs> wind up being okay. And it's it's fantastic. And Boba, Boba Fett has a, has a cameo mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what didn't work for you about this this year? Or, like, what were just kind of low points or – and they might be, like, you know, sixes instead of nines. Um, but what were what were kind of some of the low points for you? Um, gosh, I hate. Uh, I, I can go first if that. I hate oh, no, saying this. No, I I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I just I hate I hate I think of everything that came out this year. What disappointed me the most, I think, was probably um, Jedi Battle Scars. Mm. The, the book uh, from the Jedi Fallen Order mm-hmm. games. Um, I just, I, I think it wasn't necessarily all the, the author's fault. I think she was given a hard task to have to write a book that bridged 
two games when one of the games hasn't come out or hadn't come out yet. And she wasn't probably wasn't really allowed to know the entire story to it. So there's only so much you can do, but I don't know. I just, I, that was probably the, a book I was looking forward to a lot and I thought was going to be one of my favorite books of the year. And it's just, is like my lowest rated Star Wars Mm, book. (laughs) Unfortunately, when you have like hopes and expectations for something like that and like when it's being brought to a new medium, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, there are people yeah. who loved it. Um, so maybe the problem is me, but... <laughs> I, but yeah. I will say I haven't watched it yet, in part because I haven't played that second video game yet. I bought it. We got like two or three hours into it. But then we got the new Spider-Man game. And so we played that for a while. And then we were traveling for a while. And then Baldur's Gate came out. And Baldur's Gate has really taken over our life for most of the last <laughs> three months. Uh, so one day I will get back to playing Jedi Survivor. Because um, I did like the first one, even if I think it's way too hard. Um, I think for me, my real low point was that there's a couple things in Ahsoka that I didn't love. But I've talked about that on the Ahsoka episodes. I think it was the fact that we never heard the name Sabine. I'm sorry, Satine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we never yeah. heard Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan's sister, um, Sabine's aunt. Is that right? Or mother? No, 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 no. They're not actually related. Oh, okay. I thought they were related for some reason. No, yeah. Um, no. Okay. But yeah, the she was such an essential part of the Mandalore arcs in general but also just the whole fact of, um, you know, Bo-Katan, like, coming back to an understanding of what it could mean to take over Mandalore. Like, so much of that was about her guilt for not supporting her sister and, in fact, going against her sister when her sister was the ruler. And I already had some of that, that, like, you get an entire show of Obi-Wan Kenobi being emo and we never mention, like, Satine once. <laughs> and so to not have her again, I think – and I – I realized I didn't think I'd realized how much that affected me until I was so defensive about the fact that in the first episode for most of the first episode of Ahsoka, we never heard the name Kanan. And so like because I was just like, oh, you're going to do it to me again. You have a major Mm -hmm. character you're not going to mention. And so then when we got the artwork at the end of the first episode that showed Kanan and then he was mentioned a couple of times and then – uh, David Tennant's droid, who just had such the most um, beautiful moment of like talking about him training Kanan and connecting that with Ezra, was just so beautiful. So yeah, I think that was my only. And again, we're not going to get everyone, but Satine, it feels like, has been such a fundamental character to the larger universe. The fact that she continues to not be mentioned uh, really hurts. Yeah, that is a frustration. Like, there's just so many times. When Bo-Katan is talking about, like, things about her past and all her scars and stuff, and I'm like, Satine has to do with all of this. Right. Like, you're literally intentionally avoiding it. And why? (laughs) Can you stop? It just... It feels feels like... Like, at this point, it is very intentional, and it feels like they almost think that it's a joke, but it's not funny. It's not fucking funny. (laughs) Like, they... Yeah, like with her and Padme, it's like it's like they think now that it's it's oh this running joke that we don't mention their names. No, actually, it's not funny. Please just say their names, yeah. <laughs> please. Yeah. And having it be two women, especially who are two of the more important women who have gotten their due, unfortunately, outside of a lot of the the movies, you know, is so important. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot how much that stung till you brought it up. Yeah. I think that's probably a big reason why I've just kind of like <laughs> felt meh about the show. Is because mm-hmm. like the more content we get on the Mandalorians without hearing about the Mandalorians in the rest of the universe, which like, mm-hmm. yeah, I to an extent, there's a great there's a point to be made that it's like, well, why do you need to con- like connect it to other stuff? This is a new story about new types of Mandalorians. Which is true, and I think they did a really great way of telling it. But when you bring in a character like that, who has so much baggage from her past that involves such important people, yeah, it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's hurtful. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. One other thing I'll mention is kind of a highlight, which kind of bounced around here. Um, Rise of the Red Blade. Uh, uh, It's a book Danielle and I got to talk about. I think it's called Inquisitor, Rise of the Red Blade. And it's about, you know, someone who does become one of the Inquisitors and and watching someone's fall to the dark side. And I know, Danielle, we and I had kind of a little bit different views on some parts of the book. But I just – to me, it's one more example of how this year was a time to really show, like, different points of view in the Star Wars universe. And so I really appreciated that book for that reason. Yeah, I think it was one of the best books that we've had from Star Wars mm-hmm. outside of the High Republic in a while, uh, even though – I had my own issues with it. I, that, those are pers- like personal issues. I 100% agree that it is written very well. The narr- the narration is done very well. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is good. And I think it's a great addition to canon as well, like you said. It's been on my list for a little bit, and I've just been meaning – I'm excited to read it or rather listen to it because then I can hear what you guys have to say and I can listen to that episode because I've been avoiding it since I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I could see. I could see you enjoying it, Aaron. Yeah, I would be interested to hear I think your you'd thoughts. Like it. Uh, any other last thoughts in 2023? Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Then, um, of course, you can hear both uh, of my wonderful uh, co-hosts and guests this week, uh, Danielle and Aaron. Lots of their thoughts are all over. Uh, I think the two of you are probably the two people who've been most on uh, Star Wars episodes this year. Uh, with Riki coming in close after that, and then Alex, and then uh, Paul. Um, but yeah, please check out all the great things Danielle and Aaron had to say. I have learned so much from having both of you on. And for people who want to find uh, more of your stuff, where can they look? Uh, I'm on TikTok at Written in the Star Wars, and Twitter at DannyS394. And mostly Star Wars stuff, but occasional other things in there as well. Still still dabbling in other, other franchises. Well, you mentioned the Hunger Games once or twice. Oh, yeah. A few times. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Yeah, so I'm at Lady Tano Creates. That's on Instagram and TikTok. I do technically have a Twitter. That's um, Aaron McGowan22. I have yet to actually venture into the Twitterverse because I fear it. Um, but I shall eventually slowly make my way into the platform. So, I mean, you can follow me if you want, but I'll just probably be reposting things from Star Wars Generations. So, I guess, yes, follow me. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah. And of course, I'm the Ethical Panda, and this is Star Wars Generations. You can find ways to contact both of those at um, in the show notes, Star Wars Generations on Twitter or the Ethical Panda on Twitter. We love feedback. Um, we actually got a, a lot of great comments that I'm um, starting to get a chance to read part of this episode. I'm going to probably bring them up next episode. But a lot of you commented. Uh, Ahsoka, I think, was the real favorite, it seemed. But we had people talking about Bad Batch. We had people talk, as Erin said, like she almost forgot and forgotten that Bad Batch was this year <laughs> until someone brought it up. We had people talking about uh, so. 
so many different things this year that you loved, which I really appreciated. For our members, we're going to do some quick talk about things we're looking forward to in 2024. And of course, if you haven't, great thing to do is to become a member. Um, it's a wonderful Christmas gift to us or holidays or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever you're celebrating. Uh, or just want to, you know, for the new year, do a new thing, become a member. Only $5 a month, $55 a year. You get ad-free content all year. You get bonus material all year and you help support us, help keep the lights on, help keep us in uh, top line microphones and headphones and things like that. <laughs> so please think about doing that. Please, of course, follow, subscribe, do all the things you can do to help support this podcast. Most of all, remember, we have spoken. <laughs>